There are times in your life that you have to start from scratch and start all over again. In this week's episode, I chat with V Frugal Fox about paying off debt, dealing with divorce, healing, and how mental health and money are interrelated. The Mental Health and Wealth Show, The Mental Health and Wealth Show, The Mental Health and Wealth Show. Welcome to the Mental Health and Wealth Show podcast. This is your host, Melanie Lockhart. My journey with money and mental health started in 2012 when I was depressed and anxious about my student loan debt. In 2013, I started my blog, Dear Debt, which chronicled my debt payoff journey and changed my life. I later published my book of the same name about how I paid off $81,000 in student loan debt. It was my time blogging that showed me that I wasn't alone in my mental health struggles around money and that my own mental health impacted how I related to money. My mission now is to help others feel less alone and tackle these difficult topics. As a disclaimer, I am not a mental health professional or a financial professional, and all content on the show should not be considered professional medical or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. If you are in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much for being here, and if you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform, and feel free to share episodes on social media and tag me at Melanie Lockhart. I would love to hear from you. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, I'm interviewing V. Weir, owner and founder of V. Frugal Fox, an inclusive online brand for those paying down debt, saving money, and living their best financial lives. V began her path to financial independence in 2016 when she realized she had to choose between medicine and food. In that moment, the course of her life changed and she decided to learn everything she could about personal finance. After being introduced to the debt-free community on Instagram, V paid off $71,000 in five years. She fell in love with personal finance and opened her digital marketing firm, Veer Digital Marketing, which services other finance brands in the online space. V has been featured in Business Insider, Forbes, MSN, CNBC, Reader's Digest, and more. She spends her time offline hiking with her husband and dogs in Colorado. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to chat with you. I love what you are doing in the online personal finance space. I think you have such a fresh, amazing voice. <laughs> thank you. I I pride myself on being as authentic as I can be. So that, that means a lot coming from you. <laughs> we need more authenticity. We need more people to tell it like it is and, and to share the behind the scenes. And so you have such an incredible story of paying off debt, managing divorce and starting over. You know, how much debt did you have and how did you pay it off? Um, so the first time I tried to pay off debt was in 2016 to 2017, and I ended up paying around $50,000. And then that's when my separation and my divorce happened. And I kind of had to put a pause and all of that for obvious reasons. And so when I started to tackle debt again, I paid around $21,000. So altogether, $71,000. That's incredible. And what type of debt did you have, if you mind me asking? Oh my gosh, I had every kind of debt. I had student loan debt, auto debt, credit card debt, personal loan debt. Um, Yeah, I think outside of like payday loans, (laughs) I had like all the top suspects. You're like, I had it all, all types of debt. So (laughs) I can imagine, you know, you pay off $50,000, you feel so accomplished. And then 
I know you said you were hit with divorce and job loss. Like, how did that affect your financial life? Uh, divorce affected me not only financially, but, you know, emotionally to my core, which as you talk about on this podcast affects you financially. So it was like a double whammy. Mm -hmm. Um, when my ex-husband and I separated, I ended up having to move from our six bedroom house on half an acre of land to my childhood bedroom. And then from there I couch surfed for about half a year, paying attorney fees and just trying to keep my cost of living as low as humanly possible. When I did uh, leave the house, I had my dog, my car, which was full of clothing and less than a thousand dollars to my name. So it was very traumatic and I was left very, I was left in a very unstable situation. And if it hadn't been for my friends and family helping me monetarily and emotionally, I wouldn't have made it through. So yeah, I, I had to stop my debt-free journey. I couldn't post anything online anymore because all of that could have been used against me in court. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, it was very, very difficult. So that even led into my online space, the frugal Fox, which at the time wasn't like a business or anything. It was still just a, a profile to document my journey, but it was still a source of joy for me, but I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So, um, yeah, it affected me in all ways, shapes and forms. That sounds so traumatic and difficult. And, you know, to have your life turn upside down and have to start over and, you know, it's so difficult. And I love that you mentioned that you had these resources from your friends and your family, because I think you know, something that we talk about on this podcast is looking for abundance and resources that aren't necessarily related to money. And sometimes it means mm -hmm. having that support system, having mm -hmm. someone that you know that you can crash on their couch, that you can get a meal from. Like those mm -hmm. are great ways to kind of track your abundance and your resources outside of the money that you have in your bank account. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm serious. And especially for mental health, I'm not sure if I would actually be living without these people that helped me and surrounded me with love and support. Um, and I, I get emotional about it because you're right. Like everything was ripped from me and I did have to start over from ground zero. And I had so much emotional baggage and so much just hurt from the relationship as a whole that going into separation and divorce, I knew it was going to be tumultuous at best. So um, holding on to those relationships really was the only abundant thing that I felt I had at the time. And it really changed me and made me grow as a person and made me really appreciate those people that were in my life. Oh, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it too. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you brought up a good point of like, you know, you said you don't know if you would be alive if it weren't for these people. And in that way, these people are literal lifesavers. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, we can think about how can we be that person for someone else in their time of need, even if it's just providing a meal, providing an ear to listen to, providing resources, maybe it's not anything with money, but we can, mm -hmm. you know, send them kind words, send them a meal, provide them resources and literally save their life because you don't know what people are going through. And when you lose everything and you have to start over, I mean, it is a traumatic life shift. It can mm -hmm. feel like whiplash in your mind, having to start over and begin again. And 
to have that foundation of support is so needed. And so I just want anyone listening, if you have the capacity to be that person for other people, that's an amazing gift. And then if you're on the other end, you know, I hope that you have friends and family that can provide that for you as well. And so I, I read, you know, in the Reader's Digest article, that was a great profile of, of you. I loved it. Um, that Thank you. you. Left, you know, your, your, your marriage was abusive, which I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that. Um, I'm curious, did you realize it was abusive in the situation? Because I know sometimes abuse can be subtle and we mm-hmm. get kind of brainwashed and feel like, oh, it's fine. Or was it kind of over? And at what point did you realize you had to leave? It was a mixture of both, actually, both covert and overt. There were definitely certain moments where I knew a line had been crossed physically, but I was so Mm -hmm. scared of both being alone and my ex-husband made the majority of the money. Like I knew that if I did leave him, I would be in the situation that I ended up finding myself in. And that really terrified me. But on on top of that, I still, I deeply loved him. And we had like this crescendo event and it was the last time I've ever seen him or talked to him. It was August 25th, 2017. And we got into a screaming match and it was because (laughs) I suspected that he was cheating on me, which I can't, you know, prove, but you know, that woman's intuition, Mm -hmm. um, it turned into a screaming match and he was like, I need to get out of here. And I said, please don't go. And he walked out of the house and got in his car and left. And I called my, my parents and I said, you need to come get me right now. I put all of my stuff in a duffel bag. I shoved my dog into my car and, uh, I left and, um, yeah, it was, a. Uh, I can, I can, I know like, and afterwards I was diagnosed with PTSD. So it's like talking about it. It's like, it's so clear in my mind, like the, those moments, those words. And it's, it's just so wild to me what my life looks like now versus who I was then, you know, so broken. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it was both covert and overt. And I think the financial dominance, the, the need for power, the physical abuse, the sexual abuse, it was all intertwined and everything. And I tried to hold on to the marriage. And I think I felt myself a failure if it didn't work. And I've been through years of therapy. And now I know that is definitely not the case. But at the time, I was just like, I'm a failure if this doesn't work out. You know, like I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I held on for so long. But um, I'm, I'm really glad that I left that day. And, and I didn't, um, I didn't end up ever moving back in. Actually, two weeks later, I took every took uh, my my family and we all gutted the house of all of my stuff and that was that so wow that is incredible and I'm so glad you got out and I think you know abuse can come in many different forms and I think sometimes as women if we think oh well he didn't hit me or he didn't do this that we're not being abused but I think there's emotional abuse there's verbal abuse there's financial abuse they can be very insidious in some ways. And especially if it happens rarely, we can think, oh, Mm -hmm. he just had a bad day. We can justify it in different ways. And I think as women, we are so, you know, holding on to this role of, I want to be, you know, married. I want to make this work because we feel Mm -hmm. like it reflects personally on us 
if it doesn't work rather than acknowledge that this person is forcing me to make a decision that I don't really want to make because it's no longer safe for me to be here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, I think the more insidious forms of abuse are actually the most long lasting because I'm not trying to say that physical abuse is okay because it's not, and I've gone through it, but the bruises do eventually fade. It's really more so of the action of that and the emotional abuse that you endure. And I know for me personally, it's really the manipulation and the power dynamics that have messed me up the most and that I'm still continuing to work through to this day. And and honestly, I will always be healing from it. Um, But yeah, for anybody listening... Whoa. <laughs> oh, sorry. Do you hear like that, like motorcycle right now? Oh, it is or... so loud. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I'm like right next to a freeway <laughs> and that was like a dick move from whatever this car is, but whatever. <laughs> this is what I get for living next to a highway. But wow. Man, yeah. I, I really think he has a big penis now. <laughs> um, I might I keep this part saying. in the show. <laughs> <laughs> the blooper reel. I love it. Um, yeah. No, um, I, I think that for anybody listening that still is healing, like you are so brave and so powerful. And I really want to encourage you to step into that healing power and understand that you are, you are working so hard to not just get past, but to heal from it. And that's really something that I admire in people and something that I admire in myself now. So I love that. Yeah. And I think that's so important that people healing from any kind of, you know, abuse or just healing from trauma or healing from anything, really, it's so important to build up that self-trust again. You know, I know in my Mm -hmm. healing journey, like it's been all about self-love and Mm -hmm. that concept was really difficult for me to engage with because it just seems so far-fetched, but kind of a more tolerable thing for me to reach for was self-trust. And I realized Mm -hmm. that self-trust for me was a way to self-love because Mm -hmm. I know that I have my back, that I can take care of myself, that I deserve good things, that I can stand on my own two feet no matter what happens. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that can happen with healing, with going to therapy, with keeping promises to yourself, with standing your Mm -hmm. ground, slowly starting to speak up, And then, yeah, getting the heck out of situations that don't serve you and that are literally keeping you small and hurting you. I mean, I think these type of situations that do the most damage, they really mess with our self-worth and our identity. And it warps the way that we see ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, um, in The Body Keeps the Score, which is an amazing book. That Um, book messed me up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, they they talk or the author talks about um, how trauma really does rewire how you perceive the world. And I can, I'm a true testament to that. But I also think that it's so hard to trust yourself after, especially after you've been in an abusive marriage, like, and especially as an educated woman, it's like, how did I fall for that? Like, how was I in that situation? Like, I would, I always said, like, if anybody hit me, I would leave and never come back. And there's all that stigma wrapped in that Mm -hmm. and learning to trust myself again and to trust my own instinct was very difficult. And it took about a year in therapy to really learn to, to listen to myself and to trust myself. 
But I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a form of self-love and building back that confidence, building back the belief that you can accomplish your dreams and your goals and you don't need somebody else alongside you if you don't want them. My therapist, um, Doug, who has since retired, I absolutely loved him. Um, It's funny because... (laughs) He was part of a Christian therapy group, which I sat down in his chair and I was dropping F-bombs and, you know, it's, it's <laughs> me. And, and anybody who follows me on Instagram, like, you know that a Christian therapy group is not where you would normally find me. But Doug and I, like, really connected. And he used to say, you know, you need to be a bowl of ice cream. And I was like, what, what the hell does that mean, Doug? And he's like, a bowl of ice cream is pretty good, right? And I was like, well, I'm not going to say no to a bowl of ice cream. Mm-hmm. And he's like, right. So you need to be a bowl of ice cream. And all of the people in your life, they can be toppings. They can be extra things that you put on your bowl of ice cream. He's like, but if they're not there, you still got a bowl of ice cream and you're still happy. And that really impacted me and forced me to work on myself and to really prioritize healing. I love that metaphor. I think it's so beautiful and lovely. And you brought up so many good points. Number one, about kind of this story that we create in our mind about, you know, I'm an educated woman. How can I let this happen? And, you know, I think the way we identify can hold us back in a way because we think like, I should be smarter than this. I should be better than this. And that just leads to more shame, more guilt, Mm -hmm. And can make you fearful of being honest or even addressing the situation because it feels like, Mm -hmm. well, if I accept this, then I'm the idiot that made this happen where, you know, like I've realized through therapy, like in the situations where I felt extremely hurt in relationships or like I gave too much or like put up with too much and I should have known better. It's like, well, I just put my trust too much into other people and not enough in myself. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a problem per se. The problem laid in the fact that I didn't trust myself enough and that I didn't honor the signs when they were there and take appropriate action. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as you mentioned through therapy, like it took you a year plus to heal. Like I want everyone listening to know that therapy is the long game Like I've mentioned this before, but after my nine year breakup, I was like ruining my life for like a year and a half afterwards. And my therapist was like, I don't know if I'm actually helping you or not. And then (laughs) I finally started to like make a turn and like make different choices. You know, I stopped drinking. I went on a man ban. I started reading books. I started going boxing. I did things that I never did before. And she was so Mm -hmm. amazed at the improvement, but literally for like the first year and a half of therapy, I was just like continually like living the same scripts, living the same thing. I was not making progress. It was frustrating for both of us. And I was just like, what's the point of therapy? This is so hard and I'm not making progress. And I think sometimes it takes a while for your subconscious to really catch on because making such a big life change and to heal that part and actually rewire your brain takes time. And it's also scary as fuck for your brain because your brain is trying to keep you alive. And so even Mm -hmm. if your situation was worse before, that's what it knows. That's what it thinks is Mm -hmm. safe. So it can be incredibly scary and it is a long game. So thank you for bringing that up. 
yeah, I mean, the brain works in patterns. And if you've been in a pattern and in a cycle for years, it takes a lot of work and intentionality to get out of that pattern. And I, my story isn't as long as yours. My marriage lasted for four years, but, um, afterwards and I was in therapy, but man, I was, I was hooking up with anything that had a penis. I was (laughs) honestly, I was, I was snorting cocaine. I was drinking every night high on Xanax. I mean, I went through, I went through it and I actually lost, um, 25 pounds. I got down to 97 pounds and my hair Mm. started falling out. Um, yeah, like it was not like I, I love people who romanticize divorce and like, you have a free life and a new life now. And like at the beginning, fuck no, I did not. I had a horrible ruined life and I was doing everything in my power to avoid what had happened. And it was when my doctor sat me down and was like, listen, if you don't eat something, we're going to send you to the hospital. I was like, oh, okay. So (laughs) at that moment, I was like, well, I'm definitely not going into the hospital because fuck that. And I started eating again. And and then I I actually sat down and started accepting therapy because therapy doesn't work unless you do the work. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think they're going to sit in the chair and like something magical is going to happen. Um, no, you have to actually accept the work and be willing to do it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, um, that's the hardest part <laughs> Right, is actually right. doing it's the hard. work. You can't just show up to the meeting and be like, fix me, tell me what to do. <laughs> I'm here. <Woo-hoo. laughs> Check. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. And it is, it is a long game. I've been in therapy ever since. I mean, ever since that divorce, I've been in therapy and I will stay in therapy and I will stay on my medication and I will not deviate from it because I saw what not addressing these things did. And I don't want to ever go back to that. Yeah, I think, you know, therapy and medication are such great tools to have in your mental health arsenal, especially when you're healing from such a big life change. And Mm -hmm. I super appreciate your transparency about, you know, kind of hooking up with men and doing drugs and um, Mm -hmm. not eating, because I think those are kind of real things that people do when they're grief stricken. I mean, I know I was doing some of those things the year Mm -hmm. after my breakup, because I would just try to absolve my pain in another person and another substance. And Mm -hmm. similar to you, I couldn't eat for the first three months and I lost 20 pounds. And it was so annoying because I'm like not a big person. I've always been relatively thin, but you Mm -hmm. know, it's more noticeable, obviously, if I, if I've lost 20 pounds, right. All these people are like, you look so great. You look amazing. And it was so annoying to me because I'm like, I'm dead inside and you have no idea why I've (laughs) lost this weight. I've like lost my partner of nine years. I don't know who I am. I'm trying to reestablish my life. I haven't had an appetite for three months. And it's just like, I really think we should all just stop (laughs) commenting on people's bodies, especially if they've lost weight, because you have no idea if it's for a quote, good reason. It could be cancer. It could be a sickness. It could be heartache. It could be grief. And seeing that firsthand was just like so annoying and weird for me because it's like, Mm -hmm. thanks for the compliment, but also I feel dead inside. So this is super weird. And (laughs) I don't know, did you experience anything like that or... Yeah, this is, it's, it's so interesting that you said that because my, um, my husband now, his name's Joe, um, just, I could have a whole another podcast episode on how much I love him. But we've talked about that. I would, I was telling him probably a month ago, just like kind of re 
retelling about this particular part of my life. And I was like, you know, all the men that I slept with, all of my family and friends, they said I looked great. Like I was looking great. And it wasn't until I hit a certain point that it was like, oh, this is serious. Like mm-hmm. you're not looking great anymore. But like it was it was validating to me. Like, oh, okay, like all I have to do to gain attention and love is to be stick thin. Sweet, I can do that. I just won't eat. You know, and especially in the South. Um, I was born and raised in Wilmington, North Carolina. And um, you know, I was in Azalea Bell, the whole shebang. And the, the emphasis on being beautiful as a woman is, it's just so different. I, I feel like it's just more enhanced there. But it was just like the validation from the culture, the validation from the men, the validation I saw in myself. Like, I was like, hell yeah, I look great. Look at these abs. Like, I can get it. Like, my ex-husband never saw this. Look at where I am now, even though it was mm-hmm. so superficial. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it was just... It was until I hit, you know, probably 110, people were like, oh, you look gaunt. Like, you don't look well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I I do wish people would stop commenting on others' appearances because, you know, I wanted to kill myself the whole time I looked like that. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have no idea what someone's going through. And, yeah, it was just, like, such a cognitive dissonance for me to have people telling me I look so great after losing 20 pounds. And it's just like... I haven't eaten for three months because I'm grief stricken and I don't have an appetite. Like, thanks. And it's just like, yeah. Um. (laughs) Paying off debt can have a huge impact on your money and your mental health. If you're trying to pay off debt right now, you can check out my book, Dear Debt, and figure out how I paid off $81,000 in student loan debt. You can purchase it on Amazon or request it at your local library. You can also pay what you want for my How to Pay Off Debt workshop slides at deardebt.com forward slash shop. So you mentioned that you're remarried. You have a new husband. Mm -hmm. Sounds like the relationship Mm -hmm. is very healing. You know, how has being in a new relationship helped you heal from your past? Joe is the first person that's ever looked at me and loved me for me with no asterisks. And that kind of unconditional love is a powerful force that I had never really experienced before, especially uh, romantically Mm -hmm. with anybody else. It's always been like, I love you, but, or you're too much or you're not enough. Um, But Joe has never been like that. He is kind and caring and, he supports my dreams and my goals as an entrepreneur, as just a person. And we are on the same wavelength when it comes to the way we want to live our life. And it's it's really, it's been reaffirming because he also deals with some trauma in his life, some terrible things that have happened to him. But together, you know, we get through the depression and the, the anxiety and the flashbacks. Um, and he's just somebody who understands who I am to my core and he understands what it's like to live with somebody with depression and anxiety and how to help each other through those things. So we're, we're a great team and he's never done anything harmful to me. He's only been the best partner that I could have ever wished for. I love that. I think, (laughs) you know, having the right relationship and the right partner can do 
so much healing. And I remember, you know, I did a man ban about a year after the breakup, because like I said, the first year, year and a half, I just completely continued to ruin my life mm-hmm. with flings and alcohol and other stuff. And I was like, okay, I need to stop just even engaging with men. So I went on a one year man ban to really heal and get to know myself. And mm-hmm. it was great, but I had this feeling of like, oh, if I just don't engage in relationships or with men, I'll be fine and I'll, I'll heal and everything will be okay. And <laughs> I just thought that, you know, as long as I stayed away from relationships that I could actually heal. And while that was true for that particular time in the man ban, what I actually realized is that good relationships, healthy relationships can do so much more healing while you're in them. And I have oh, experienced so this with myself, yeah. with my current partner, like similar to you, I feel a different unconditional love. And he actually says like, I love you unconditionally. And that just feels so overwhelming to me in a good way. Like, wow, I can be myself and I don't have to look a certain way. I don't have to act a certain way. And Mm -hmm. I remember like when we first started dating, like, you know, you're getting to know each other in the first six months. Like every time I thought I would tell him something quote big, I was like, okay, this is going to be it. He's going to think I'm too much. He's not going to like me. It's going to be gone. He's like, okay. I was like, oh, that's fine. Okay. I still love you. Okay. He's like, that's normal. Okay. You're a human. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I'm not like scaring him. I'm not pushing him away. And he loves me more. And I think, you know, I've done so much healing to have that kind of support mirrored back to me and to realize that you can be your full self with people and they won't go away or they won't, you know, use it against Mm -hmm. you or they won't hurt you. And that's been a powerful lesson for me too. And I'm so glad to hear that, you know, that's been healing for you as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Joe was a huge reason as to why I decided to really show up authentically in life um, because he showed me that I wasn't too much or that I wasn't some negative person or that I wasn't overbearing or self-serving or, you know, like all these things that I had been fed through abuse. He just took, took those fears away one by one. Like the more I opened up to him, the more, it was okay to be myself. And I just started realizing like, if this wonderful, amazing man who is so selfless can love me for me, like I need to give that back to the world. And so he built my confidence up to be the V frugal Fox that I think many people like. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he's just been completely imperative to my healing journey. And that unconditional love it, it is it's overwhelming sometimes but uh, i hope everybody i hope everybody gets a chance to either feel that for themselves or if you aren't interested in a partner you know feel that within yourself not necessarily you know uh, with a partner yes love is healing everyone finding the right love can just completely heal you and it's so interesting you know it sounds like we've both really seen two sides of the same coin you know incredible grief and heartache and kind of abuse and anger with relationships and love, but then also incredible healing. And that just kind of Mm -hmm. shows you like the two sides of life and two sides of emotion. And, you know, you have to have the dark with the light and they're all kind of related, Mm -hmm. but you have to kind of go through some of that to 
get to the point where you can enjoy the healing and the love. And it's all a process of refinement. Absolutely. And I absolutely would not be who I am today without all those trials and struggles. Um, I don't like to glamorize them or romanticize them because they were horrible. And I'm lucky, like I said, to be here talking to you. But they made me a stronger person. All of these experiences made me appreciate life in a way I hadn't before. They made me appreciate love and myself in a way I hadn't before. And I think all of the success and validation I've received um, in my career is directly linked to the challenges that I faced when I was in my early 20s. And I'm just taking that and running with it now. (laughs) Yes. I think you brought up such a good point. You know, we can grow and have these experiences that challenge us and come out on the other side. I think that's called post-traumatic growth. But also, I think at the same time, we can realize that I wish that never happened, or I wish I didn't have to go mm-hmm. through that to be here, or I didn't deserve that. And right. you know, I think that's perfectly normal, too. It's like, I wish that didn't happen to me. I mean, we're seeing this <laughs> across the world stage right now with everything going on mm-hmm. with Russia and Ukraine and the whole world. It's like, we don't need to glamorize any of this. It's shitty. It's awful. It's terrible. Like, it shouldn't have to happen, you know? Yeah, it shouldn't have to happen. It shouldn't have to happen. But when shit hits the fan, I think it's important to, first of all, grab onto whatever abundance you can find, even if it's extremely small. But then after you have kind of downloaded what you've gone through and you've sifted through it and you've processed it to try and glean, okay, what did this teach me? I think that's a better way to understand trauma instead of glamorizing it and romanticizing it as our society tends to do. Um, You know, what did it teach me? That's kind of what I try to remind myself whenever I'm in the depths of it. Yes. So what were the biggest steps you took to heal and gain control of both your mental health and your financial life? I mean, like I've said, therapy, getting myself into therapy was, was probably the biggest thing that I did for myself. And I didn't even do it for myself. Actually, my brother, the day after it happened, drove me to, to the therapist's office and said, you're going to go to therapy. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I just, well, I'm here. So, um, and then after four months, I finally got on medication, which was life changing. Um, I got on, what did I get on? I think I got on Wellbutrin first, but then I've been on Lexapro for like six years. So that was very important to me. And it's still very important to me. I'm medicated and mighty. And I think yes. that the shame and stigma should be taken away from medication because I could not function without it. And nobody wants to see me off of medication. I get insane. So those two things were huge. And then just being able to be vulnerable and leaning on people that could support me. Like I couldn't pay for therapy for the first couple of months. My best friend paid for it. Um you know, I, I didn't pay my parents rent when I moved back into my childhood home. <laughs> I was paying attorney fees and I leaned on people that let me stay on their couches or move into their apartments, you know, for reduced, reduced, reduced rent. I think 350 was the highest I ever paid anywhere wow. um, because people were like, well, people pitied me, first of all. And second of all, um, <laughs> they loved me, but really leaning into the resources that I had, um, I think those three things really allowed me to 
to get through those really tough times. And then, you know, I had, I had paid off so much debt and I had been in the community for so long, the debt-free community. And I was really, I loved personal finance so much. I knew it was my passion. So when I did start to get on my feet again, I prioritized savings. I prioritized living well, well below my means. I didn't really try to go anywhere. I think I went to New York City for my cousin's wedding. That was the only trip I took when I got divorced between my ex-husband and meeting my new husband. So I ended up saving a, a boatload of money. And when I lost my job, I just decided to make the transition to entrepreneurship because I was tired of having my life controlled by other people. And I think my trauma with my ex-husband was also a part of that decision. I was just tired of asking for PTO and asking permission to live my life. So I was like, I'm just going to do myself. I'm just going to do it. Like, I don't have anything to lose. <laughs> so I did. And here we are. <laughs> yes. Congratulations. How has the journey been? I know it's such a wild journey and can impact your mental health and financial health in a variety <laughs> of different ways. There's, the highs are high and the lows make you question your whole entire life and your career choices. <laughs> Not that I've experienced that this week at all, but uh, yeah. This week, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Again, I do not want to romanticize the entrepreneurship life or journey. Um, it is hard as fuck. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I chose this path because I couldn't have a boss and... I will do whatever I have to do from now on to never go back to that life. It's been very difficult, especially 2020. Uh, I started my business in 2019. And again, the only way I could do that was because I was living in uh, Joe's mom's house rent free. Like I never want to ever give myself the title of self-made anything because I'm not. I had support systems throughout my entire process. I am not self-made. I relied heavily on resources. But my savings account that I saved through my divorce and after I got back up on my feet and being able to lean on resources via Joe's mom, uh, the first year, I think I made like $12,000 in profit. And then mm -hmm. 2020 hit and I lost half my clients, which was super fun. Um, uh, like, ah, okay. <laughs> it, it, it was just like this series of unfortunate events. And then from 2020 until now, I project that we were going to be six-figure business owners. I've stolen away my best friend from teaching. She is now a partner with me. And I, I work with personal finance influencers, probably some of your listeners' favorites. Um, and I, I do what I love. I, I'm completely just blessed. And I, I hate that hashtag blessed. But it's been a hard road. I've worked diligently and hard over the past seven years to cultivate this client list that I have. And uh, yeah, it, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey, but I can't believe that uh, I'm here. I, I don't know. I, I look at it and I'm like, how is this me? <laughs> you did it. You're here and you're creating and, and supporting so many people. And I love what you're doing in the finance community and, and talking about your mental health struggles. I think you're such a breath of fresh air and I think we need more of your voice and your talent. So you know, I super appreciate everything that you bring to the finance community and also just sharing about your mental health. Like I remember when I started following you, I was like, yes, more people talking about therapy and medication and financial trauma and how all of it's interrelated because we can't 
pretend like it's not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I think myself and everybody else are done with one note personal finance advice. Um, because it's tired. One note. <laughs> yeah, it's tired. It's old. It's just beating a dead horse. I'm, I'm over it. Personal finance needs to be more nuanced than that and reflect the real world. And sometimes the real world and especially money isn't pretty. So we have to have those conversations. We have to have insight into those kinds of narratives to really make an impact. So thank you for the compliments. I sometimes it feels like I'm screaming into the void, <laughs> uh, <I know laughs> which I'm feeling sure, like you feel that. Yeah. Like, yeah. As entrepreneurs, you're just like, listen to me. Um, but, but thank you. I, I love what I do. And I, the whole goal when I started Beautiful Fox was to document my journey, but it, it turned very quickly into, I want to impact as many people as I can. I want to help as many people as I can. And as long as I am checking off that mission, I'm, I'm good. Yes. That is my advice to you after being self-employed for seven years is to definitely connect to that mission and that vision and that why when things get tough, because they will get tough as you know, and, you know, just constantly reminding yourself, why am I doing this? Why is this important? And also what can I get out of this that I can't get at a real job? Like I love taking naps. I know you're the nap queen. Um, I am the the Twitter nap queen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like that's one of my favorite things to do as well. It's like, you know what, if I had a nine to five, even, even with remote work, I'd probably have to like be online, like show up where it's like, no, no, I'm going to nap. I love taking baths. I love taking my email in the bath. (laughs) It's such a boss move. It's a way for me to like, I might have stressful stuff in there. So let me at least be in the bath to counteract any potential stress I might see. (laughs) And you can't mitigate that at a nine to five, which is why I love entrepreneurs. Like after this um, recording, I'm going to go take a nap (laughs) and it's uh, two o'clock on a Friday. You know, like I can do that. And I, I do take those, um, the, the freedom that I have, I, I try not to take it for granted because, and there's nothing wrong with having a nine to five. It's just not for me. And I'm just too sleepy of a person. I just need sleep. So Same girl. I'm I, tired all I, yeah, the time. I'm t- Listen, I'm watching a war on my phone. I, I can't oh, process all this shit. Like, I just, and I know taking a nap is such a privileged statement, but like, I just got to turn my freaking brain off. And I couldn't do that in another five. So, <sighs> yeah, actually, talking about that, like, I really think even though entrepreneurship and freelancing is bad for my mental health in some ways, like, it is more flexible in the sense, like, given everything that has gone on for the past two years, like, if I had a real job, I would be totally calling out sick. Like so many times it'd be (laughs) disgusting. I'd be fired, but because I just have to work in like shifts and on deadlines and on certain projects, Mm -hmm. it's like, sometimes I go the whole day without doing anything and I'll just do it at night. Or sometimes I just wake up early Mm -hmm. and work for a few hours and then I'm done. And, you know, sometimes I do just take the whole day. I mean, sometimes I do have to ask for extensions because I'm behind or my mental health is bad, but that's few and far between. Whereas like if I had a day job, oh my God, I would probably totally be fired because I would be calling out sick all the time Mm -hmm. for my mental health (laughs) and pretending I'm like, you know, have a cold or or the stomach flu all the time (laughs) because you can't even really be honest about taking a mental health day. I was Mm -hmm. actually talking about this in um, the mental health and wealth hangout yesterday that I hosted I read this article on The Cut that was talking about 
how this one manager, you know, heard from an employee about taking a mental health day. And she thought, hmm, I wonder if the employee can handle the pressures of the job. And it made me so angry. And I was like, this is exactly why people lie and people feel uncomfortable sharing the truth because people mm-hmm. have opinions like that. Like, like you said, like we're all not watching a war in real time on our phone <laughs> after dealing with a pandemic and racial injustice for two freaking years. And like, this won't affect us and our productivity. Like we're humans. And it's like, I'm at the point where I'm so sick of acting like I'm not a human. Like I don't have feelings and I'm so over it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I've, that's basically what I've told my clients. I'm like, listen, shit's fucked up. I am not going to pretend like I am not affected by this. Some things might be late. I'm doing the best I can. Like yeah. really, I'm doing the best I can. That's that's it. And I don't yep. have anything else to give you. Um, yep. Yeah. And, and I hate that the, the corporate line is, but can you still make us money? Like go fuck mm-hmm. yourself. I, I can't, I cannot. Yeah, yeah. I, I would absolutely be fired, which, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if you can hear it in my tone, which is exactly why I'm not a part of a corporation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, in that way, like, freelancing entrepreneurship can really support your mental health so that you can at least manage it on your own terms and mm-hmm. take more naps, take baths, go for walks, do whatever you need to do, not deal with as many people in your business or like talking to you mm-hmm. or like, the energy vampires at work. Oh. Uh, yeah, no don't water. Miss cooler it. Talk. Don't miss it. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I don't now care. social media is my water cooler, except I just see <laughs> like stuff about the war. And it's like, oh, okay, this is not the water cooler anymore. Yeah. This is, this no. is the war zone. <laughs> funny but not oh, funny. Funny but not funny. <laughs> Hashtag 2022. <laughs> I know. Anyway, this has been such a great conversation. I'm so glad that we had you on the show. Where can people find you and how can they work with you? Yeah, you can find me at, at VVEE Frugal Fox on Instagram, Twitter. Those are the places that I am most active. And then my website, vfrugalfox.com. Um, I've been blogging much more lately. So there's some really good articles on there and resources for you. And you can just send me a DM. I mean, I'm literally on every social media thing ever um so just shoot me a dm or email me and uh, we can talk about working together awesome thank you so much for being on the show thank you so much melanie thank you so much for listening to the mental health and wealth show want more content and support sign up for the mental hump newsletter and get our free mental health and money inventory worksheet you can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes Also, we host a mental health and wealth hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review. And you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.